0: Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reaver. This is a bit of a different episode as this week I am celebrating the five year anniversary of Tilt Parenting. I cannot believe it's been five years. It felt kind of like a big deal, and it seemed like it was the right time to reflect on the journey of this Tilt community since then, and to share some thoughts from me and from others in the community. In fact, about two-thirds of the way in this episode, you'll hear from some friends of the show like Mona Della Hook, Amanda Morin, and Zach Morris, and Nicole Tatro about how we can continue playing a role in this movement to shift toward a society that truly sees, supports, respects, and lifts up our differently wired children. Also, I asked friend, colleague, and executive function coach Seth Perler to share some thoughts, and of course, Seth over-delivered, and he ended up recording a special mini-sode just to celebrate Tilt's five-year anniversary. So I'm actually releasing that as a special bonus episode today. So be sure to download that wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss it. Lastly, stick around to the end of this episode for some very special messages from listeners. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy the show. Those of you who've been with me since the very beginning know that I launched Till Parenting in April of 2016. Actually, it was April 16th, to be exact. And I launched with four podcast episodes, a Facebook Live that my son, who was then 11 years old, did with me a Facebook page with a handful of followers made up of, I think, my husband, my sister, and my mom, and maybe a few friends, and a newsletter list comprised of pretty much the same people. I'd also designed what I called the Tilt Creed, which people could download. And then the key piece of content that I launched the site with was the Tilt Parenting Manifesto. And the manifesto was really the result of the year I spent researching and dreaming and scheming before I actually launched TILT. And I wrote that manifesto as a call to action. It was kind of my way to rally the troops. And I was driven by this goal of helping parents everywhere, parents raising kids who are neurodivergent, kids with or without a diagnosis, kids who were moving through the world in a unique way, parents like me. I wanted to help these parents get out of isolation and overwhelm and just feel an immediate sense of connection and community. I wanted to create something that would help them find each other and feel empowered and optimistic and hopeful about the future and about the incredible potential for our children. Because so much of what existed back then for parents like us just felt like, for lack of a better phrase, it felt like a Debbie Downer. So for the first time in several years, I went back and reread the Tilt Parenting Manifesto last week. I wanted to see if it still held up, if it still felt as true to me now as it did then. If you've been along for this ride with me for a while, you have certainly heard me talk about the core tenets of that manifesto, the idea that we as parents need to reject the current parenting paradigm because it simply is not relevant anymore. And beyond that, it's harmful to our kids and to our families. I described it back then as a paradigm that runs rampant in nearly every school in every town of every state of every country. I wrote that it's a paradigm that embraces sameness and fitting in and conformity. It's a paradigm that encourages labeling differences, prescribing medications, and implementing quick fixes for any way of being that's perceived outside the norm. I said, it's a paradigm that thrives on guilt-mongering, it leads with headlines like 10 ways you are already screwing up your child, and it's suspicious of anyone who chooses to forge their own path. And so one of my biggest goals in creating TILT was to be part of shifting that paradigm, because I believe so deeply that if we, we parents and caregivers of differently wired kids, are willing to own and give a voice to our experience, if we're willing to compassionately educate others, and to stand up for what we and our family need from a place of strength, confidence, and peace, things are going to change. They're going to have to change. I still believe that to be true. And I do feel like the outdated paradigm is starting to crumble a bit. At the very least, there are more cracks in the foundation than there were five years ago. I still believe that we as parents of differently wired children, whether we're differently wired ourselves, and I know many in our community are, or whether we're neurotypical, those of us guiding and taking care of these incredible children can play such an important role in this paradigm shift. And I still believe that the way we can best show up to do this work of shifting the paradigm is to stop trying to fit our children and our lives into the quote unquote normal and instead embrace our glorious, messy, extraordinary lives. In the Tilt Parenting Manifesto, I shared 10 ways that we could do that, that we could do this work. And over time, that list morphed into some of the tilts that I included in my book, Differently Wired. But today, I just wanted to revisit those original 10 steps. The first one is connect, because we can't do this alone. We need to support each other in tangible ways, and we have to be willing to lift up those parents who are new to this awesome club. I think we're doing a pretty good job with this one. What I see in the Tilt community is more and more parents finding each other and lifting each other up. I see parents who are further along in this journey helping parents who are new to this club. I see so much sharing of resources and advice and hard-won wisdom. With parents who may be feeling overwhelmed or confused with the systems that exist. I also want to point out that there are so many organizations and communities and Facebook groups and humans doing such important work in this space and many new resources that have popped up even in just the past five years. So I think we're doing a good job with this one and we need to keep connecting with each other. Next is open up. I believed back then, and I still do now, that being more open and transparent about our families will help to normalize a difference, normalize neurodevelopmental disabilities, and most importantly, tackle the stigma associated with these differences. The next step I shared in my manifesto is to let go. Let go of what others think about who we are as parents, let go of the vision that we had for what our parenting lives were going to look like. Let go of this idea that we can control who our child is or that we can control their story. And I just want to be clear here. I know that there is a lot of letting go in all parenting, but especially parenting differently wired kids. I see this as kind of our ongoing work as we continually lean in to who they are. The next step is speaking up. And by that, I mean speaking up for our child, speaking up for our family, speaking up for the bigger movement. This is about advocating for systemic change, for more support in schools, for what our children deserve. I think this is how schools change. This is how the college application processes change. This is how cultures in the workplace change. And I like to think that everything that we as individuals do to build awareness for our children's strengths and to push for them to be respected and meaningfully included in all areas of their lives, that that work really paves the way for the kids that come after ours. Next is question everything. And this actually became the first tilt in my book, Differently Wired. Question everything we thought we knew about parenting. because. The fact of the matter is, there is no one way that this parenting journey has to look for anyone. And of course, again, that is especially true for those of us raising children with neurological differences. I believe so deeply that every single aspect of what we thought we knew about raising kids has got to be up for consideration. Full stop. It's really the only way we can parent in a way that leans into possibility, It's really interesting to be reflecting on this too, as we're still in the midst of this global pandemic, which has clearly disrupted people's lives in so many ways. And things that were never really questioned before, at least not in our generation, the way that work had to look or the way school has to happen. All of those things had to be reinvented on the fly. And that shows me that there are so many other possibilities that exist when we push back on the way things are supposed to be or the way things have always been. So I find questioning everything to continue to be an exciting and sometimes scary proposition. The next thing I shared in the manifesto was that we need to be brave because doing whatever it takes is necessary to support our children takes guts. And there are going to be plenty of doubters, friends, family members, sometimes our parenting partners, well-meaning relatives, parenting peers, there are always going to be people who question our choices or judge our willingness to take a different path. So it is so important that we ditch the fear and we lean into our own courage. And I just have to say, I see this. Every day in our community, our community is chock full of courageous folks. The next step is to be relentless. Being relentless serves us well because finding the right schools and the right resources, the right mentors, other adults who really see and respect our children and are poised to help them reach their potential, it's not always easy. It takes a lot of tenacity. It takes precious resources like our time and our energy, and sometimes we just don't have a lot of those resources to spare. Yet, nevertheless, we persist, and we refuse to just accept something that we know isn't working when we know our child deserves so much more. The next thing I wrote about in the manifesto is showing up, because we are going to have good days, and we're going to have bad days. We're going to have days where we can be super Zen in the face of chaos. And we are going to have days when we have many what I call less than brilliant parenting moments, and we will want to have a big old do over. And so we keep showing up for our child, for our family and for ourselves every single day. And that's really the work. That's the thing right there showing up. The second to last step I wrote about in the manifesto is that we want to choose. So what did I mean by that? I know that so many of us feel as if we don't have a lot of choice or that our options are limited, especially if we feel like, for example, the list of schools or activities or camps or vacations that might work for our children is much smaller than it might be for parents with neurotypical children yet we really do have so much choice that we can lean into. We can choose to learn more about ourselves and do this deep inner work so we can be the parent our kids need. We can choose to become fluent in our child's language and more deeply understand how they experience the world and how they're communicating with us. We can choose to take on systems that aren't serving our families. We can choose to throw out that rule book, to challenge traditional timelines, to push back on advice or therapies or strategies that don't honor our children. Taking back our power and our choice, it's a big piece of this paradigm shift. And the last step I shared in that manifesto 5 years ago was that in order to shift this paradigm, we need to parent in the now. We want to focus on the now. Because that allows us to be present for all the good stuff. And yes, it does mean we'll be present for the hard stuff too, but that improves our chances of being better able to respond to challenges in the moment because we'll prevent ourselves from spiraling out into those what ifs about the future unknowns. And of course, this spiral reality is where so many parents find themselves, especially when they're perhaps grappling with a new diagnosis or information about their child. Many parents often go through a period where they are just really rooted in worry and fear about the future. And so when we can remember to just stay in the moment and know that the only place where we can affect the most positive impact on our child and ourselves is right now, that really helps us just embrace the bright spots in our current reality. So those are the 10 steps I presented in my manifesto five years ago. Connect, open up, let go, speak up, question everything, be brave, be relentless, show up, choose, and parent in the now. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet. Travel, certain medications, and of course, Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at Ritual.com slash Tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's Ritual.com slash Tilt for 25% off. So I've already shared what I see as the outdated parenting paradigm. And now I want to share what I see us moving toward. I envision this as a paradigm that embraces difference and uniqueness in children that rejects fear and guilt-based parenting and supports parents raising differently wired kids so we can parent from a place of confidence and connection. I see this as a paradigm whereby we can see our children's lives be reflected authentically in the media and in society, and where we can have true options for accessing or designing education that really supports the unique gifts in our kids and how they learn. That's not asking for too much, right? I launched Tilt Parenting hoping to help that vision become a reality, and I feel like it's happening slowly, but I do see that things are changing. I see this work happening every day in the brilliant neurodivergent activists and authors and thought leaders and colleagues who are doing such incredible work in this space. And I see this in all of you, in all the families who listen to this show, the parents and caregivers that show up for each other, who are having these conversations and are supporting each other and are doing this deep inner work, who are choosing themselves and their families and their kids and choosing to continue to push for what we know our families deserve. When I think about where my family was 10 plus years ago, When my son was starting elementary school and my husband, Darren, and I were realizing that we were going to be going down a different path than the one we thought, I think so much has changed. There are so many more schools for differently wired learners, micro schools, schools with individualized learning approaches. I've seen a growing awareness of learning disabilities of twice exceptionality, even the fact that more and more educators know that twice-exceptionality is a thing is big progress. In 2017, the Supreme Court in the U.S. ruled 8-0 to in Andrew F. v. Douglas County School District in favor of a higher standard of education for children with disabilities, which paved the way for families to push for increased special education services For kids who are going through the IEP process and who are pushing for accommodations. I see that more and more businesses are recognizing the unique strengths of autistic employees and employees with learning disabilities. And some are not only adapting their workplaces to accommodate neurodivergent employees, they are actively recruiting them. In fact, just this morning as I'm recording this, I read a fantastic article in Leaders Edge magazine that spelled out the business case for hiring neurodiverse talent. In the past 10 years, there's been an increasing awareness for the different ways that neurodifferences like ADHD and autism show up in girls, and so finally girls are getting diagnosed earlier and getting the support they need. And the neurodiversity movement seems to have exploded. More and more adults are self-diagnosing or being formally identified as being neurodivergent. Many are becoming activists and important voices in not only the bigger movement, but they are generously sharing their experiences in order to help neurotypical parents better understand their neurodivergent children. Critical conversations on the intersectionality of neurodivergence and gender identity, neurodivergence and race, neurodivergence and class are coming to the forefront. And language and labels continue to evolve. Asperger's is out. Functioning labels are out. Identity first language is in. Awareness is out. Acceptance is in. This is all exciting momentum. It fills me with so much hope, even at a time when hope seems to be a bit of a scarce commodity. I asked a few friends what they thought was most important for this Tilt Parenting community in terms of where we should focus our energy moving forward. Here are some of the things that they shared with me.
1: I'm Amanda Morin. I'm the Associate Director of Thought Leadership and Expertise at Understood. I'm the author of a number of books, including the Everything Parents Guide to Special Education and a book called Adulting Made Easy. But more importantly, though, I think is that I'm a parent to neurodiverse children and I'm neurodiverse myself. And it's been really interesting and exciting to watch neurodiversity open its aperture over the past few years to include not just autism, but also people like me who aren't autistic, but share some of those same ways of approaching life differently. The world is just beginning to recognize that being neurodiverse is sort of just a variation of the human experience. And I'd like for us to get to a place where those variations are just accepted. And the world has sort of built-in accommodations to support everyone, but we're not there yet. And the way our schools, our workplaces, and even our communities are set up, neurodiversity often impacts our ability to thrive in some aspect of our lives. So I think it's really important we continue to move towards seeing neurodiversity through this asset based lens and not a deficit based one. But until we're there, we need to keep recognizing and supporting both the beauty of neurodiversity and also the challenges that come with it.
2: I'm Mona Delahook, child psychologist, mom and author of the book Beyond Behaviors. I am so happy that we have a paradigm shift that has started. And what can we do to continue this paradigm shift? Well, we can speak up. If you're a parent or a teacher or a provider or a student, all of us can speak up when we observe uh, that the older paradigm is being used in a way that is not supportive to a student. The other thing we can do is to insist on having neurodivergent voices uh, to be elevated to the top of our discussion for guidance in how we continue the paradigm shift in our education system, in our mental health system, and everywhere, essentially, that relies on an older medical model of disability rather than a paradigm shift of inclusion, of acceptance, of love, and hope as we move forward. Congratulations to Tilt Parenting on your five-year anniversary. Hello, this is
3: Nicole Tatro, neuroscientist and author of Insight into a Bright Mind. Congratulations, Tilt Parenting and Tebby Reber, on a fabulous five years. Incredible work you've been doing for the neurodiverse community. I feel we're headed toward a renaissance where neurodiversity is going to be widely accepted and seen. And individuals are going to be fully integrated to be their full being with their strengths and their talents, focusing on individualized programming that really supports the whole individual.
4: Hello, Tilt family. This is Zach Morris, educator, learner, and family support specialist. In thinking about what we can all do to keep shifting this paradigm to embody inclusion for neurodivergent children, I think about normalizing radical compassion. And I think radical compassion stands on a platform of modeling and advocating. I think we can model more curiosity when we see and hear something we don't understand. I think we can model more awareness of our reactions in differentiating between those and our responses that come from a calm and safe nervous system. I think we can model observations, we can avoid value judgments, and we can advocate for equity by reminding ourselves and others that we can create access points for people. We just might need to get creative. I think if we can do this, we can help our children stand in confidence in who they are. We can support them in making decisions that they think is best for them. We can comfort them when they fail, we can show them that we are listening, and we can prioritize a sense of safety in the system by reminding ourselves and others that that is what is most important. If we are loved, if we are seen, if we are heard, we can develop the skills to hold that same space for others in our world. And this is how structures will continue to evolve so that they include all of us and they work for all of us.
0: Thank you so much to those of you who shared your thoughts for this special episode. I'm so grateful to have you as friends and colleagues in this work. Before I wrap up this anniversary special episode, I thought I'd share what's next for Tilt and where I'm focusing my energy, as well as where I think we as a community can continue our work moving forward together. First of all, the podcast will continue. When I launched Tilt Parenting and started this podcast, I honestly wasn't sure how long I would keep it going. I knew I wanted it to be something that I kept up for quite a while so I could build up a true library of useful conversations. I really wanted to be sure any parent could show up and find at least a couple of episodes that would speak to whatever it is they're dealing with in that moment with their differently wired child. So now that I'm 250 episodes in, I think I've got a pretty solid library. What I'm thinking about now is how to make these conversations easier to find and sort through for people who are new to this community and this unique parenting journey. So if you have ideas for me on how to do that, please let me know. And of course, moving forward, there are obviously so many more conversations I want to have. The conversations continue to evolve. Language, again, surrounding labels and diagnoses continue to evolve. The movement continues to grow and evolve. And I really hope that this podcast can continue to be a visible voice in that conversation and play a significant role in ensuring parents and caregivers have the information they need to make the best choices for their children and for their families, all working toward that bigger goal of a more inclusive, accepting world for our kids. I know many of you send me ideas for podcast guests, so please keep doing that. I read every suggestion. And I also research a ton of experts and parents and authors and thought leaders trying to identify guests that represent the many diverse experiences of those in this community and who have wisdom and insights that can truly benefit you and your families. So if you have a guest you think would be fantastic for the show, please send them my way. I also want to take a minute to acknowledge that I have about a hundred people who are helping fund the production of this show by being members of my Patreon community. So I want to just say thank you. Thank you so much for being a patron of this show. While I know there are many resources out there for parents of differently wired kids that have a cost associated with them, it's always been important to me that I provide free access to anyone who would benefit from these interviews. And so The supporters in my Patreon community make that possible because those donations cover the costs associated with producing it. And of course, if you are listening to this and you want to get in on that action, I would welcome that. You can learn more at slash tilt parenting. So that's the podcast. Of course, I'm also a writer and it has been wonderful to see the Differently Wired, my book that came out in 2018 continues to be read and shared widely. I can also share that I am developing a new book for parents of differently wired kids. And I don't have any concrete news yet about the trajectory for that book. And I'm just not ready to spill the beans until I do. But I will keep you posted and I look forward to sharing news when I have it. But suffice it to say, I am developing another book specifically aimed at parents and caregivers of these awesome children. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com club. That's tiltparenting.com club. I hope to see you on the inside.
5: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter free. In terms of
0: the bigger picture and the bigger conversation for Tilt Parenting, I am committed to expanding the voices that are shared throughout this community and ensuring that it continues to be bringing conversations about intersectionality when it comes to the intersection of neurodivergence and gender and race and sexual orientation and all the other ways that humans live their lives. It's been so exciting to see the new voices that are coming into this space. You know, the new awareness and evolution of the language we use when talking about neurodivergence the attention that's being paid to neurodivergent adults, and everything that parents of Differently Wired kids can learn from these adults and from their experiences. I really want to continue amplifying these voices and experiences. And I just want you to know that even though I'm not always going to get it right, and I'm most certainly going to say the wrong thing sometimes, I'm committed to doing my own work and learning and unlearning so that TILT parenting can continue to be a positive part of this evolution. So I want to end out this five-year anniversary podcast by sharing what I think are the ways in which we in the TILT parenting community can best support this paradigm shift, best support our children and our families. And I got it down to three things three areas where I personally am focusing three things that I've observed can have a profound effect on the well-being of our children and our families when we prioritize them. So I share these three things with you as food for thought. The first of these is radical self-care. So longtime listeners of this show know that self-care is something I talk about a lot. And I'm just going to say, I am not going to stop, okay? Self-care or being self-interested or conscious maintenance or whatever you want to call it. This is absolutely critical work for us as the adults and caregivers in our children's lives, especially now, especially in this third quarter of the pandemic, especially as we are hitting the umpteenth wall and feeling burned out and depleted and shredded. And the reason I use the word radical in there is because self-care is not something we want to just dabble with. We need to go all in. Every single day, we want to make a conscious choice, a conscious intention to prioritize our emotional, physical, spiritual, and/or mental well-being. Whatever we need to do to tend to that is well worth doing. And then modeling that out loud for our children, so they can learn from us, so they can see what it looks like to navigate difficult, challenging times. By choosing ourselves, by reminding ourselves that we are worthy of attention, we're showing ourselves that we matter, and we are modeling that same thing to our kids. The second thing is radical presence. So what do I mean when I say that? I mean, Really and truly showing up for our children. I mean, making sure that they know we have their back, that we are there for them, that we really, really deeply see who they are and that they know they are a priority or the priority in our lives. Especially now when many of our children feel isolated and their social lives have petered out and they're lonely. Not that we as parents are going to replace their best friends. But we want them to feel so deeply that they matter and that we have them. So radical presence, again, is really about showing up for our children. And that looks different for all of us. It might be learning the nuances of obscure interests of your child that you may not even find interesting. It may mean spending time doing things that you don't love, but that matter to your children. It may mean sitting and listening when our child needs to vent or cry or share their struggles. It may mean not holding a grudge with our kids when they say or do things that feel hurtful to us. Radical presence means everybody in the house gets to start every day with a clean slate and making sure our child feels our love for them. They may intellectually know that we love them, but we want them to feel it whether that is through a shared ritual or a hug or the way our eyes light up when we see them. Radical presence is what our children need. This is how we build meaningful connection. The third thing and the last thing is radical acceptance. And when I say radical acceptance, I mean unlearning old patterns that we may have been coasting along with. Going back to that first tilt in my book, Differently Wired, of questioning everything we thought we knew about parenting, radical acceptance is part of this. We want to commit to unlearning old ways of thinking, to uncovering and discovering the way that fear and worry and ego often subconsciously guides our decisions. Radical acceptance is about seeing the humanity in our children and respecting and honoring their unique path. It's showing up to support them in their journey rather than trying to change who they inherently are. So these are the three areas I wanted to leave you with today. Radical self care, radical presence, and radical acceptance. Paying attention to these three areas in our worlds can have a profound impact on how we feel as parents and caregivers and how our children feel in relationship with us. And before I say goodbye, I just want to end this podcast by thanking you. Listeners, readers, community members, thank you, as always, for being a part of this ongoing conversation for how we can best support these fascinating children that we have the honor of shepherding through their childhood. I am someone who has always created what I've needed, and Tilt Parenting is no different. Yet I could never have imagined the ways in which this community would give back to me as a person and as a parent. And I just really appreciate the way that you out there have embraced this work and that you are part of this movement. I am so buoyed and motivated by you and by seeing the way that you all show up for your children in your lives. And I feel that energy. I feel the energy of this community and it is a powerful force. And I'm just really grateful to be in this with you. So thank you again. Happy anniversary to all of you out there who are part of this community. And I can't wait to see what's next for us.
3: Hi, Debbie, Simone here. I just wanted to let you know that I think Tilt Parenting is amazing. Anyone that I know who has a differently wired kid, I send them to Tilt Parenting and they feel like I finally found my people. They feel understood. And I just love the way that you are so positive and give Families, another way to see differently wired children. Thank you for everything you do.
2: Debbie and Tilt Parenting, congratulations on five years. Your podcast first began as a lifeline for myself and quickly became a trusted resource for our family and um, has helped me become a better parent really a better person, and just um, allowed my son to live his best life. So thank you so much. I appreciate you, and I certainly am thankful for the community that I get to be involved with because of TILT Parenting. So congratulations, and uh, I look forward to the next five years.
6: I think that the work that you're doing is absolutely wonderful, and I applaud you.
1: Dr.
6: Jeff Schnitzer. Tilt Parenting is the first place where I've been able to learn about what it means to be the parent of a differently wired child. It's also a place for a sense of community, so that I don't feel so alone on this journey. Thank you, Debbie.
7: My name is Ellen, and my son is fourteen years old. I bought your book at the first week of February, 2020, and. I'd have to say that uh, reading your book pretty much rocked my world. Um, I realized through your book that um, I really needed to forgive myself, that I was doing the best I could, and that everybody has to figure this stuff out. And you come to it when you come to it, but beating yourself up about what you've done or not done is really not productive. I think that a lot of your message was about self-care and, um, you know, to understand ourselves and to see what my agenda is, my history from my upbringing, what my expectations are, and to really understand that it all of it is part of what I bring to parenting.
8: Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'm so grateful for Debbie and the Tilt podcast. I so appreciate the term differently wired. I have two differently wired kids and every time I listen to Tilt, even if the podcast doesn't directly pertain to my children, I come away feeling grounded and reminded that I can approach this whole parenthood experience in a peaceful, respectful, supportive way and that I don't have to change my kids but I can support and provide scaffolding for them. So thank you, Debbie for all that you do.
3: Hey Debbie and the Tilt community, this is Adrienne Meldrum. As I've been reflecting on Tilt's five-year anniversary, it was really hard to imagine a time without Tilt being part of my parenting tool belt. Debbie's created a space where ideas are shared that allow me to see what's possible for my children, but also what's possible for the students we serve at Made for Math, for which I will forever be thankful. In episode 146, I recall that one was with Blake Bowles, who was pivotal in our decision for my oldest son, who was miserable at school, and COVID brought all of this to head. Something had to change, and that conversation and the guidance from Blake gave me the confidence to say yes to allowing my son to leave school and starting to do work that was meaningful to him. The transformation was remarkable. Thank you, Debbie, and the Tilt community for creating this for my family.
5: Tilt Parenting, Debbie Reber, and the Differently Wired community have been an excellent resource for me over the years. I am so grateful for the
8: thoughtful and diligent work you do. Keep it up. My life changed with the back-to-school season of 2017 because my daughter was terrified of zombies and change and death and was less able to cope with school than before. With the feeling of not knowing how to wrap my head around what was going on, I searched for a podcast about parenting that could help. I wish I remembered the search terms I used, but what I do remember is that the Tilt Parenting podcast came up right away and it changed everything. This seems like a really sweeping remark, but it's true in the sense that here was a person who got what it meant to hit a very scary, intense place with parenting. And she was bringing people who had knowledge of children and neurodiversity that helped put perspective on my experience of parenting a child who was struggling internally, socially, and with school. It was a whirlwind experience, and I pulled back from weekend activities that I normally do with my daughter and another mom and child. My daughter wanted to be home and didn't want my attention divided between her and one of my friends. So I stopped and tried to learn and wrap my head around what was happening. The Tilt Parenting podcast, the initiation of Tilt Together groups, and the book Differently Wired have been the threads that have carried me through today when I'm now facilitating groups of parents like myself and able to give back to those just starting their journey on this path of parenting a differently wired child. Thank you so much.
6: Happy five years, Tilt Parenting and Deborah Reber. This is Julie Neal of Mother's Quest, and I'm so excited about this major milestone in the growth of your podcast and your community. I have been inspired by your work, your honesty, your ability to pull together incredible people that other parents like me can learn from, and for your connection with your own son, Asher. I will never forget having an important conversation with my now 17-year-old son, Ryan, about some of the things that were happening in his life and that we could learn from your own example. So thank you for leading the way. Thank you for giving me the honor of being in conversation with you on your podcast and coming and speaking with me on the Mother's Quest podcast. I have really cherished and appreciated these opportunities for growth and learning and connection and being part of the Tilt Parenting community and look forward for all that will come. Congratulations.
0: You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast and search for this conversation. If you like what you heard on today's episode, I would be grateful if you could take a minute to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review. Thank you so much for helping us stay visible so people who would benefit from the show can easily find it. If you want to support the show and help me cover the cost of production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. To support the show, just visit patreon.com slash Tilt Lastly, if you aren't already part of the online community at Tilt, I invite you to sign up at tiltparenting.com on the box in the bottom where it says join the revolution. Every Thursday, I send out a short email with a quick note from me, a link to that week's podcast episode, and links to five stories from the news that week that are relevant to parents like us. Again, you can sign up and learn more about Tilt at www.tiltparenting.com.